did a mini list with uh, South the other day. Of Tarantino movies? Yeah. And okay. it was pretty close. Yeah. It was pretty close. <clears throat> Let me put this down. Stop playing with it. <laughs> we did we did disagree on a uh, number one. Mm-hmm. And on uh <clears throat> No, I think it was just number one we disagreed on. Okay. All right, here we go. Show. In three, two, zero. Let's go. I don't think you're supposed to even say anything when you when you mouth it so that it doesn't pick up. Well, you you do the three, two. Yeah, so they know. I always thought that was interesting. I don't know why. <clears throat> I don't know why that interested me so much was like watching when they do the like mock count-ins for like a TV show or like a, mm-hmm. like a news program or something. Yeah. And they do the three, two. <laughs> they yep. just mount. Point. I don't know why. I don't Red know light why turns was, on. It, it seemed like such a... Like a inside baseball kind of thing. Like, whoa. This is what they see. That's crazy. Bet a lot of people don't know that that's how they do that. It's all showbiz, baby. That's, that's showbiz. So let's get into it, my brew pals, my brew men and women, the brewskis. Um, Tonight's brew is from the Dogfish Head Brewing Company. It is the slightly mighty locale IPA. I, yeah, I know. Okay. Why Why did you do this to us? Because I thought it would be interesting to find out if a beer or a brewing company, uh, rather, like Dogfish Head, can make a healthy locale. <laughs> I don't know if they're claiming it to be healthy. Well, okay, all right, all right. Let me not say healthy. That is, yeah. Let's back of, that that's truck right up. Okay. Mm-hmm. But a locale, low-carb beer, an IPA even, and still make it flavorful and tasty. Mm-hmm. That's their claim. I'm very interested to see if it if if they can actually pull this off. Even the, the can itself looks diet. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Yeah. That telltale, like let's make let's take everything you know and love, and then just suck all the color suck and the and color <laughs> out of it. Yeah. So this locale IPA is brewed with mighty aromatic hop varieties that deliver tropical notes with a slightly sweet balance provided by the monk fruit extract. You know, when I do these cold reads, sometimes it they just sound like they're so full of shit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they, they just made it up. Like. It's just molten hops, baby. That's all it is. Well, let's find out. All right. I I hope we'll have a good time with this. If not, you know, I, I oh, bought a bunch of Kona. That's true. We have backups. It's fine. Yeah. This is the One Baron Podcast. Cracks open like a normal beer. <laughs> it feels like a real can. Uh, it's a 4%. That's right. Mm-hmm. Low on the ABV, low on the cows, low on the carbs, but high in the flavor. Mm-hmm. We'll see about that. Salud. Cheers. Ugh. 
I'm kidding. Yuck. <laughs> yeah, it tastes all right. Yeah. Save your review for the end. Oh, yeah. 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 This is the One Beer In Podcast. My name is Marco Dupa. With me, as always, the wonderful, the extravagant, the man with the jacket, Mm. Adam Obesius Rodriguez. What's up, Brewskies? This is episode 225. Thank you guys for joining us. As always, we appreciate the listen, the follow, the subscribe, all that jazz. We hope you enjoy the show. If you do, let us know in the comments and or with a rating wherever you listen to the podcast, Spotify, Apple Music, what have you. Give it a rate. Give it a listen. Give it a review. Like we review the beers, review the podcast. Let us know if we're doing a good job and if we're not doing a good job. Yeah. But be nice about it. Yeah. We have thin skin. Mm. All right. We're here. Big bellies, thin skin. (laughs) Yeah. We're just full to bursting. Oh. So, I've uh, I've been working now, well, like three weeks. Has it been that long? Including the training. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, it's about two and a half weeks. Yeah. At this point, um, doing a job that I've romanticized in my head mm-hmm. for a very long time. And now I can now I'm I'm actually able to now I have like, you know, real first hand experience at it. I mean I, I had worked as a cook before. As a so line that, cook at a restaurant. Explain there, that's what you're that, doing. I'm giving that to the people now. Bearing the lead. Um I'd worked at as a line cook before. I I worked for about a month and a half and I, I, I quit not because I didn't like doing it, but because I just didn't have the time to do it. I was working an office job that was full time. Excuse me. Um, so I was getting up really early in the morning, getting off really late. I'd get like four hours of sleep. And at the time, you know, I was making enough money at my office job that I was like, well, I don't need to be tired all the time. I don't yeah. need to be exhausted. I want to keep this job, but like, I don't, I can't keep doing this. Mm-hmm. So I quit. Uh, fast forward three or four jobs since then, blah, 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 life. And we're back here at a diner and uh working the line there and 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 getting like i don't know you you know i i grew up just at, at like like a lot of hipsters my age admiring people like anthony bourdain mm-hmm. david chang you know uh and and just like this idea of being like the cool badass mm-hmm. like part of the pirate ship basically mm-hmm. and uh Obviously now, 2019, you don't have that kind of culture anymore, mm-hmm. really. Especially not at a uh, like a chain. It's not. It's it's not really a chain. It's mm-hmm. more like a expanding local establishment. I mean, that is honestly the best way to put yeah. it. They don't have that many locations, but they are I'm not ashamed to say like they're a successful company. They're mm-hmm. getting big. They're they're popping up everywhere. Yeah. So uh But they have an HR department. I don't think they do. They have to. <laughs> <laughs> they have to. I mean, every place has to, really, yeah. but like who are you going to actually complain to? Yeah. Well, my point is, is that you're not there grabbing people's asses and stuff. Oh yeah. Oh oh. I oh. That's where you. Okay. Right. Yeah. yeah. No. Only the men's. Right. Right. 
Um, and they like it. Uh, so I, th- I think now with Vice and with Munchies and with all these documentaries and with Bourdain being so successful, God rest his soul, you get, you now have this like, this culture of a lot of like, I mean, they, you know, you see it online a lot of like, like the, the you get a stereotype now of tattooed, mm-hmm. you know, don't give a fuck, like artist types who are cooks. Right. And it's like, wait, are you in a band or do you make, like, what's happening? Like, mm-hmm. no, I, I just flip burgers. Right. <laughs> I just make gourmet burgers. It's part and of the like, scene. This idea of like, you're above it all. Right. But, not really. Like mm. you're you're in the mud, but like you're you like you have this disdain for. It's almost like they have a disdain for people who enjoy just eating food. They're just like mm-hmm. you know they're making all this fancy well, food. They're uh, they're food nerds. That's why it's yeah. like if you have that deep of a passion for something, it's hard for some people to uh, to not look down on people who don't have that same amount of passion. Same thing happens with music or movies. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's I, a I, symptom of that nerddom. It's weird that something as ubiquitous and universal as just enjoying food, right? Something as mundane and normal mm-hmm. as enjoying food is now like this, um, like this cultural thing. And yeah. I don't mean cultural thing as in like everybody has their own culture as far as like if food is a huge part of everyone's culture. I don't mean it right. that way. I mean it like this, um, like a societal thing. Like you were it's saying. It's like in the like, zeitgeist. Yeah. And now it's like this cool thing to do, eating food. You know what I'm saying? Like it's <laughs> wow. Just, it's this weird. It's Next just they're going to start <laughs> drinking water. It's just really weird to see. Uh, you know, it's obviously the the foodie explosion a couple mm-hmm. years ago. Uh, Instagram obviously helped, yeah. you know, make make everybody's food a piece of art. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think something that uh, a lot of foodies, quote unquote, or a lot of people that you were describing uh, that kind of take the pretentious route of it are mistaking is that a lot of their heroes aren't don't share that pretension, right? Like. You know, the whole thing about Anthony Bourdain, why he was so beloved, is that he was really down to earth from all accounts. You know, we weren't lucky enough to have ever met him. But, you know, even just on his show and stuff, he was very humble and, you know, would have grandma's cooking alongside five-star chef cooking. Yeah. So it was never a thing about poo-poo on this person's <laughs> lack of skill or lack of understanding of these uh, d- d- quizzinal... I don't know if that's a word. Um, techniques. I think it is. And stuff like that. It wasn't about that. It's yeah. just about enjoying food. Yeah. Simple as that. Yeah. And yeah, that's that's yeah, that's exactly it. People are missing that idea now. Yeah. So how are you enjoying food on the other end? <laughs> um I I'll say this. The the idea I had in my head of like being a cook. Obviously not as romantic, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's a uh, hundred times harder than I thought. Mm-hmm. Physically demanding, and uh, I like I like doing what I do. I not I don't know, man. <laughs> this is this is what I've You're wrestling realized. with it. This is what I've realized about myself. Okay, mm-hmm. okay. Out of everything that I've done, all all the all the jobs that I've had. 
customer service jobs, sales jobs, retail, uh, construction jobs, everything that I've done. I've, I've, I've done a lot of stuff, driving, uh, everything, right? I've realized that I just don't like doing stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just don't like it. That's I, fair. I, 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 and I've, I've been thinking about this a lot because, you know, you all, people have this idea that you're, you're supposed to be, you're supposed to have like this, this ambition and like this drive mm -hmm. to work really, really hard. And, and, uh, you know, the only way to succeed is to work really, really hard. Mm -hmm. And, and even with, I was at my parents' house the other day and they were talking to my sister about like moving up at, at the company that she works for. And, you know, uh, Lottie was just like, I make enough money and, um, I don't want to do that. Like, I don't want to be, they they work so much right like the people who run these places like they work all the mm -hmm. time like her boyfriend works all the time yeah yeah, and yeah. He's it becomes your life all the time that's i think something pretty unique to our generation though yeah that i found talking just to people just that to, we don't want to work well that's a that is a cliche about millennials and people younger than that yeah is that we're just all lazy and you know uh self-involved and uh you know won't won't really work for what we get yeah and just want it to be handed to us and we we feel this sense of um what was the phrase entitlement entitlement right yeah uh i don't think that's true i think no, that's the exact opposite well what we and I'm speaking for an entire generation right now. I feel like I have the right to. You're the clearly. voice of this generation. Of course. I've been told that many times. Many times. Um, I've heard it. Yeah. Uh, I think that what people don't realize that are outside of our generation is that it's not that we don't want to work. It's that we want to have a life as well. Yeah. We prioritize happiness uh, instead of money. Yeah. <clears throat> Which is very hippity-dippity to sound. And it's not that we don't like our things because, you know, we're a tech generation. We love big screen TVs and computers. We're doing computers this over and, things. Right. <laughs> so we need our things, but at and the same talk time. about things. At the same time, um, I feel like if we can have more of a work-life balance, we'll choose that over uh, you know, a, a higher position at a company. Right. Or well, making as much as you can. Right. Well, the, and the other thing is to, to, to kind of go back to the perception of this, of this generation is like, that everybody's lazy and doesn't want to do anything. It's like, dude, honestly, every person that I talk to at my job, they're mm. working two or three jobs. Right. And they're working doubles. And everyone is just busting their asses mm -hmm. all the time. Yeah. And I'm like, and, you know, people find a way to balance it. They yeah. find a way to, to, to you know, I still got to go out. I still got to get mines. I still have a, still got to have a good time, blah, blah, blah. Mm. As far as I'm concerned personally... I don't want to work at all. Yeah. Like I am probably that stereotypical. <laughs> Your millennial. goal is to retire. Yeah. I would yeah. like to, I, honest to God, man, when I was unemployed, I realized this once I got employed, the only thing, the only thing that I felt bad, you know, I don't, I don't give a shit if you people judge me. Okay? <laughs> they already are. <laughs> the only thing that I felt bad about was the fact that I was hemorrhaging money, right. trying to, you know, provide for myself mm -hmm. 
and and borrowing from friends and family. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's my tab at? Don't don't answer. All right. Um, you know. And that that was the only thing that I felt bad about. But the the not working thing mm-hmm. didn't. And there's people out there who. You know they ha- they they're like I have to be doing something I have to work I gotta blah 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 I gotta right. I gotta do something I can't just sit around dude it is my dream to just, <laughs> to just sit, sit around. around yeah oh man yeah I get that I can do it all the time mm-hmm. people think like nah you get bored dude you have no idea <laughs> I could just sit around mm-hmm. and if I just I've I- seen you do it <laughs> I mean, it's incredible I, I and I and I feel like I'm done fighting that feeling. Of that's who I am as a person. Yeah. You know, you want to yeah, you tell yourself like, you know, is there something wrong with me? Should I have more ambition? Mm, have some guilt. Should I? Yeah. And, and I'm, I don't. Right. And I sh- and, and, and I'm not and I'm not depressed. I'm not sad about it. You know, it's not that I'm like, I don't want to do it. I'm not Eeyore in it. Right, you know, right. I just don't care. I'd just rather not. I just don't want to do it. Yeah. I just don't want to do it. And so I'm just proclaiming that to the world. I just don't want to do it. You know? Okay. That's it. That's fair. I just don't want to do it. All so right. I'll keep my job, obviously, and I'll work really hard because uh, I I still have an innate sense of duty. Duty. When it comes to <laughs> um, when I'm at a job or if somebody asks me to do something, mm-hmm. I will bust my ass for that person or for that company because they asked me to do it. They're paying me to do it. And I feel a sense of, of duty to that person or to that company as long as I'm there. Right. And so you'll never catch me being lazy at a job. Mm-hmm. But brother, anywhere in or, or outside of that, <laughs> you better believe the gloves are off. Off. The shoes are off. In the, the garbage. pants are off. Yeah. Sweatpants on immediately. I get it now. When you see those you're memes. Like, you're like lazy Voltron. <laughs> Sweatpants. Yeah. Sweatpants on. Loose fitting t shirt on. Shoes, socks, optional. <laughs> Slippers. Slippers. Yeah, so I just I don't know why I felt the need to get that across, get off get that off my chest. Well, you did it. Yeah. And we're here now. I hope you don't get sick of doing this. This? Yeah. No, this is but that's the thing. It's it's the idea of I mean, this is gonna be like a duh moment, like obviously, but the freedom to do the, these things mm-hmm. is, is I mean, that's what everybody works for. Right. But you end up doing so much that, when, I mean, if you're working, if I'm working two jobs and I'm going to school and I'm trying to have a, quote, social life, mm-hmm. when, when would we do this? This, I could do this. I've realized that the only thing that I would prefer to make money at and do for a living is mm-hmm. this. Yeah. And music. Right. That's it, though. Yeah. Like, I'm good with, I could do this five days a week, mm-hmm. you know? Yep. Obviously, because it's, like, super easy for us to just hang out. Yeah. And it doesn't. But it's not, this isn't just us hanging out. This is us putting on a show. No, yeah, I get that. So, it's also. No, it's not, it's not, I don't want to take the, uh, <clears throat> the effort that we put into Make it this. sound like it's more I mean, important we, than it is. We try. We try. But. It's trying at something that you want to try. Exactly. At. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's that is something that I've I've had in mind forever. Is like I I too would love to do this just for a living. This is our sole job. This is all we do. Um, that'd be great. 
but also take with that that you know the old saying that whatever it is like you love you'll never have to work a day in your life if you do that for a living or whatever right that's bullshit because if you if that's what you do you know you end up like you were saying with lottie's boyfriend you know he his work is his life that's yeah. what he does that's his that is what he does he wakes up every morning thinking about that job yeah and going to bed thinking about that job yeah that's what we'd be doing for this if this was our sole occupation right. and and i guess but it he, would be fun yeah but it would also still be work and i guess he can do that because he enjoys that i hope if not he's miserable well yeah and i think <laughs> i think maybe that's what i'm trying to get across is that i've 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 gotten to a point now where you know, I'll do my job mm-hmm. and I will I'll, I'll work really hard at my job. But for people who are expecting me, mostly my family, <laughs> <laughs> for people who are expecting me and, and, you know, for for this is for everybody else. Like, you know, find that thing that, you know, it doesn't have to be like your dream. Mm-hmm. Just find that thing that you want to do and stop worrying about this idea that you have to be this hard work. You have to be exhausted all the time mm-hmm. to 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 have something to show for all the work that you put in. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Oh, that goes especially for people who are creative. Because there's this this misconception that you have to be a tortured artist in yeah. order to make anything of worth. It's, that's bullshit too. You yeah. don't. You can be a totally mentally stable, off of drugs and alcohol, clean, happy family man and make awesome art you right. can do that right that's not me but you know you can <laughs> yeah, do that it's definitely not this it's possible you don't have to be this guys. tortured soul to make good art no you, you don't you don't no well yeah and and it, i mean even if even if you're trying to do something in real life i mean make you know do do what you can to to pay your bills and stay alive <laughs> right and not have not have uh anybody you know, paying your bills for you or having to worry about, you know, just make sure everything's taken care of. Right. But, you know, stop with the idea that, you know, we have to, we're playing up to these, hey, enough. You well, so scared a ton of people driving to work. <laughs> <laughs> no, not me? No, not you. You, though, stop it. Frankie, the dogs are fighting, everybody. Sorry. Um, Yeah, this, this idea that, like, we have to do that thing that society tells us that we have to do to mm-hmm. prove that we're hardworking that members we of worth, society, you right? know? Yeah. Like, fuck, fuck that. Like, I'm not, I'm, I'm done with, with feeling guilt about like, I don't want to do shit. Like, uh, I don't care. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do what you need to do, but don't kill yourself doing it. Yeah. So be lazy, everybody. I'm going to be lazy and you should be <laughs> lazy too. And you know, if you tell me like, oh, I don't believe in that. Well, cool, man. That's your life. Yeah. My life is trying to figure out ways to not do stuff. <laughs> the least possible work possible. <laughs> trying to do the least. And if this sounds like I'm trying to make a case for me just being lazy, maybe it is. Mm-hmm. But, you know, fuck you. How okay. about that? How about that? How about that? That's How my, that's my that? argument. All right. Fuck you. How about that? Well said. <laughs> well said. Thank you. I had to, I had to let the people know how I felt. <clears throat> diet beers make you angry yeah i mean i've just been you know it's just been yes it's man been, this whole two weeks two and a half weeks of just like because oh, so here's 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 the thing i've been 
doing what I've been doing, but also in the back of my mind thinking like, you know, uh, this is this is just a stopgap, and you know, I don't I don't like I gotta find something else, mm-hmm. and I I I'm I'm working and I'm like, in my mind I'm 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 at the tipping point of like, mm-hmm. well I'm gonna find something else, so like fuck this place. Yeah. But then something kind of clicked where I'm like, well I need to kind of accept my current circumstances. Yeah. Make the best of them. Mm-hmm. Also keep in the back of my mind, like, you know, we're still trying to do other things and there's other things that we can accomplish, but like not putting so much pressure on myself. Yeah. Well, and here's the thing too, my perspective, two cents is you seem to immediately when things were hard at this job, shut it down and go, I don't know this is for me anymore because <laughs> you had like a bad day, which is counter. It goes along with what you're saying is in your character. Uh-huh. It is who I am. <laughs> but at the same time, I think it's important if you take a step back and realize this is something that you've wanted to try for a while. Mm. You're just getting the road underneath your feet at this point. You're only in it a couple of weeks, not including training even. Yeah. And it's going to be hard. Anything you do that's new is going to be hard. Yeah. So maybe just put your head down for a month, two months. And see how you feel after that, because by that point, it's I mean, it, it's still going to be physically taxing. It's still going to be mentally taxing, but you'll get the hang of it. And then, you know, from there, you can if you stay here long enough and you, you do well enough, you could pivot to a, a nicer place, a nicer restaurant and get acquire more skills and become a better cook and a better cook yeah. and, you know, get a higher uh, or get a, a bigger portfolio and resume and uh, kind of work the system and then something cool and something that you've you have a passion for yeah it's just hard yeah it's hard to do for real it's hard to do the thing that you have fantasized as uh, wanting to do yeah in real life but you know if you look at it from a, a 10,000 feet view as opposed to being so like Focusing on this day sucked. I don't want to do this again. <laughs> uh, I think that'll help you get through those hard times to realize there's there's an end goal in sight if you want it. Right. And it's it's not like this is a bad company or anything either. So you could stick with it even if you stay here for a while. Yeah. You know, there's there's a lot of possibility here as opposed to just having a a gig, doing schlubbing, doing something because it's easy. Yeah. You know, there's more. There's future growth opportunity. Yeah. With this, and not even making it your life necessarily, just just working it as a job. Right. There's still more. There's there's more uh, land to be plowed. Or I could find something where I'm schlubbing. You could, <laughs> but then that's that's the problem because you can't schlub forever. Not the same place. Not yeah. the same place. There's very few opportunities for you to to schlub and make enough money to sustain yourself long term. Mm-hmm. That's true. Those are usually you know short engagements. That it's fine for you know maybe six months, but then after that they may not need you anymore, or you're not making enough money, and, <laughs> and then you're out and you gotta find something else and start from ground zero again. Yep. So, you know, in a, in like five years they'll have robots that can flip burgers anyway. So I mean they already have robots that can flip burgers, but like take the orders accurately enough. Uh-huh. I think probably five years tops. <laughs> you know. Sure. We'll be we'll be all out of a job. Well, not you. I mean, but you just get an algorithm for ads, ad generator. 
Oh yeah, I guess you could do that. Yeah. We're all going to be out of jobs, it's man. True. So that's the thing. They're 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 gonna they're gonna fill the workforce up with those fucking robots. Man. You got to make the robots until the robots can make themselves, mm-hmm. and then it's Judgment Day. And that's it. They that's, reproduce. That's, that's it. what happens. You know, people think it's going to be like we're going to make one robot that has like access to some like supercomputer or Cyberdyne. something. But that's not what's going to happen. What's going to happen is we're going to keep making AI to make our lives easier until they finally go, oh, well, the easiest thing you could do is die. <laughs> Goodbye. Simple solution <laughs> to save start, the planet. Just start shutting us all down. Because mm-hmm. now, dog, my, my, my cousin, he's 15, 16, he's 16 years old, mm-hmm. still doesn't have his license, doesn't have a car, doesn't have his license, really has no interest in getting his license <laughs> uh, and, and, and has a fleeting interest in getting a car. And I'm like, dude, don't you want your freedom? And bro? Li- lives in central Florida. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> this is, this is, uh, this is the prime time of your life to be free. Right. Your, your, your parents do well enough. You, you, you got a well-off family. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just get a car, even a, even a fucking bucket, just get a thing that's going to mm-hmm. get you around. Do this. Like when I was, cause I got, I got my permit. As soon as I could get it, yeah. Got that piece of shit Dodge Neon that that worked wonders for mm-hmm. me. Got my license as soon as I could get it. I was one of the fucking cool kids because I just I never rode that bus again. I right. was like, dude, I'm driving to school. We used to fucking carpool, mm-hmm. and it was dope as fuck because we could just come and go as we pleased. Yeah. Got in trouble so many times skipping school. <laughs> it was awesome. Mm-hmm. How could you not want that, man? I, I mean, why? Have you asked him why he doesn't want that? He's just, just, I mean, it's just like a, it's just like a generational thing. Why? Like, like How? they're they just on the internet all day. Like, well, what, the thing is, like, what connections do you have? They're growing up already with Uber and Lyft, right? Already with. It's expensive though. You can't do that all the time. Well, they don't have a value of a dollar yet. Yeah. You know, they don't. the The idea of how much this is going to cost to get from A to B that mm. doesn't register yet. Yeah, because they don't have jobs. Right. They, they're not paying bills. Yeah, it's not like that's on, not something that they factor into their expenses for the night. Yeah, and on on those platforms, it's not like you're whipping out actual cash money. It's no, a, it's all on the phone. It's easy to just press the button, keep it moving. If your right. parent gives you like a debit card or a credit card or something and says, "Look, you got a max of five hundred for the month," mm-hmm. you know, be responsible. Right. Yeah. Responsible. Okay. They're, yeah. So they they just have this. You know, it just doesn't it just doesn't register yet. Hmm. And and doing shit, you know, just going off and just doing whatever you want. Like that doesn't right. register yet. You know? Interesting. It's just it's crazy huh. because the first thing that we wanted to do when we were around that age was like, I need to get a car, I need to get the fuck out of here. I need to be able to do whatever I want to do. Oh yeah. I mean that's almost like a rite of passage. It's yeah. like when you when you turn ten and get your own bike. Yeah. You know, that freedom you feel of being able to go farther than you like ever were before. Uh, same thing when you get a car and you're able to you get a license for mm-hmm. the first time. Oh, it's and incredible. you can just you can just get in the as car as long as you have gas and go. go anywhere you, can you want. Just go. Yeah. The idea that you can just go. Mm-hmm. You can just go. Just go. That's crazy yeah. that he doesn't want that. And a lot of people around that age don't want that. They don't think about things like they don't 
care. They're mm-hmm. like, I'll just, I'll just Uber there. Yeah. You know, that's insane. Strange. It's very strange. God damn. So that's what I'm saying. Like, once we we're gonna get to that point, people aren't even gonna have licenses. We already have self parking cars and self driving almost. Yeah. I mean, they're. I think they're good enough that once people are comfortable with the idea that you're gonna look to your left and a car is not gonna have somebody driving it. Yeah. Once everyone gets comfortable with that idea, we'll have self driving cars. My my former boss that I used to lay tile with, my homie Jason. Mm Me and him were talking because I was telling him about the driving job that I had before. And he was like, dude, I wouldn't get a truck driving job because in five, ten years, they will have uh, uh, semis and Mm 18-wheelers that will just drive themselves. Yeah, I mean, there's already concepts for that. Yeah, the idea that... uh, um, Or it's a concept where right now, right now, they can do this where a semi will knows how to get on the highway, mm-hmm. knows how to navigate traffic on the highway, knows how to get to a truck stop, mm-hmm. and then that's it. And then and then a driver will be there mm-hmm. to take the 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 car like more local roads right, and stuff. Yeah, that it can't navigate by itself. Yeah. They already have that. Which specifically with uh, with those trucking jobs like that. Uh-huh. It makes perfect sense, Un- unfortunately for the truck drivers, because that's a you know a huge amount of the uh, the working populace. That's that's a huge job. Yeah. Is, is a truck drivers. Yeah. <clears throat> but on the other hand, with that in place, with self driving trucks <clears throat> in place, it'll be safer because people don't have to worry about having to get enough sleep for yeah. the on the road. Uh, stuff will get places faster because it won't have to stop. Because mm-hmm. there's the regulated stops for truck drivers, mm-hmm. based on how many hours you've been on the road. It's literally just compensating for humans, right? <laughs> like, but how how insulting is that if you're like a truck driver, right? Like they made a whole thing around the fact that, like, well, you know, you're a human, right? So you have limitations you're weak. as a human. <laughs> you're weak. You have to eat your flesh and blood <laughs> and flabby flesh, right? And thick blood. It's just, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's strangely like uh, apocalyptic. Mm-hmm. When you yeah. think about it, it's like, wow, yeah, we, we're weak. Mm-hmm. We're not, we're not as strong as the machines we're making. And we will be obsolete yes. soon, very soon. We're, we're very quickly making ourselves obsolete mm-hmm. and have been for a long time. So, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's this, uh, it's a scary world that's coming mm. up. And in that world, world, I don't want to do anything. Oh, you won't have to. You won't have an option. I yeah. Well, yeah. True. <laughs> and that's why we have to do something that they can't do, like this. Yeah. They can't do this yet. Not yet. There's Not no yet. true AI that can talk to itself. No. Not yet. And even when they can, I mean, you know, well, who knows? I mean, they can feed them millions and millions of subjects and languages and all kinds of stuff. Well, I mean, the entire idea of artificial intelligence is that true artificial intelligence is it thinks, it learns, it does everything that a a human mind can do. Yeah. So at that point, it would be pretty indistinguishable from a person talking because it thinks, it feels, it has opinions. and Maybe this is already happening. Oh, man. Maybe we're the AI. It's turning on me, man. Maybe this is all part of the simulation, man. Freaking out, man. 
Maybe we maybe we just need to wake up, man. Red pill, bro. Red pill. Is it red or blue? Which it's one's the? I think it's red. It's the red pill. Yeah, it you wakes take the you red up. Pill and you no, you stay in Wonderland. You st- okay. The, the blue, blue pill, pill takes you wake up and you go back to being a loser. Got it. Yeah. I don't know why I thought of this. Well, I know why I thought of it because you just brought it up. And in the <laughs> in the game Path of Neo, uh-huh. when you died in the game, um, the game over screen was Morpheus, and the way to continue the game was to pick the red pill mm. or go back to the main screen was the blue pill, mm-hmm. which I thought was a pretty full a pretty cool concept. I like the end of that game where they just rewrite the entire end. Yeah, yeah. When they <laughs> do the uh, all like the weird. Yeah, yeah, like giant boss battle. Yeah, they're like the. the it's all the the Smiths. They, <laughs> because they, uh, I think it was the Wachowskis pop up and are like, "Hey, so we understand that it's not very exciting in a video game to sacrifice yourself, so we decided to change it for the game. Yeah, now fight a giant monster Smith. <laughs> Go ahead. I love it. Yeah. Especially with what they can do now with video games, they really should do a new Path of Neo mm-hmm. or just a Matrix game. Yeah, I mean, they say they're going to uh, possibly make a new Matrix movie, so if they do that, then... The tie-in. Yeah, but the published games. Mm. The tie-in games. Bleh. Yeah. Bleh. They can they can do it right nowadays, though, I feel. Yeah. Yeah, we'll <sighs> see. We'll see. We'll see. Speaking of new movies, yep, we went and saw the new Tarantino film, mm-hmm. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. What a time to be alive. Wowzers. A new Tarantino movie. His ninth in the scheduled 10. Right. Second to last, if you are to believe his claims. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I don't know why you wouldn't. I mean, <laughs> He's in control of that. Yeah. And he seems pretty dead set on it. Yeah. I mean, every time he gets brought up, he's like, I'm going to do 10 and then I'm going to stop. Right. Uh, but, you know, they had this interview recently where he was like, yeah, I'm not going to make movies anymore, but I'm going to do like writing and stuff. Mm, he wants to do like uh, plays and novels yeah. and stuff. So he's going to be cool. He's going to keep being creative. He's, yeah. a, I mean, he's a writer, so he can yeah. kind of do whatever he wants in that creative field. Especially when you have a name like that. Oh, yeah. I'd read a Tarantino novel. Yeah, for sure. Might even see a Tarantino play. Not Cats. <laughs> but Tarantino's take on Cats? Tarantino's Cats would be great. What? Yeah. Yeah. I'd see that in a fucking heartbeat. Way more N-words. I would see... <laughs> all the black cats. <laughs> oh, no. I would see... I would see Tarantino's take on the current Cats. Current cast. Mm-hmm. Current effects, <laughs> just let Tarantino helm it. Yeah. <laughs> just rewrite it and direct and it. Yeah. And see what he does with it. Be a very different movie. Super violent, yeah. twistedly dark. Yeah. Referential. It's just like references and has like homages to like all these different plays and stuff. Mm. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> a fantasy land. One yeah. can only dream well we might get tarantino freaking star trek so yeah i actually don't want that as his 10th film no 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 me neither i i would yeah i definitely not want that yeah it just seems like a it would be a cool take on something um i i think it would be better as like 
a one-off like like if like if he directed an episode of that new Picard show or something yeah. like that. My uh, my uh, my guess would be that he would he wouldn't count that towards his own filmography because he he wouldn't write it. There's already script. Oh really? Yeah. So uh, there's already a rated R Star Trek written. I think he punched it up. Yeah. I added think, a bunch of N words. Yeah, of course. Um, I'm pretty sure that's what happened. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, internet, which I'm sure you will. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I think he would he would be solely directing mm. that one. You know, they didn't say the N word in this movie. They didn't. Well, there's no black people in it, really. There's not. There isn't. There isn't any black people in it. No. I just realized that. I feel like Vice is writing an article right now. <laughs> Yeah. Hmm. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> no reason to, to ponder upon that. <laughs> Let's just linger on that for a, a silent minute. Mm. And let people let people feel the awkwardness of that. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, if you think about it, he's had like he's had at least a brother or two in all of his movies. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, for the most part. Yeah. Strange. Yeah. I, I had briefly thought about that when I was watching the movie. You were like, where's the black people? Yeah. Where's, where's Sam? Where's where's Sam? Yeah, he didn't even like narrate anything in it. No. It was who was who was narrating it? It was a very familiar voice. Uh that was uh Kevin Spacey. What? Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> Believed it for a second though. I was confused. I was like, that didn't sound nothing like Kevin Spacey. No. He said it with such confidence. Yeah. Um, it's acting. Um, it was uh, it was uh, Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell. Well, Kurt, yeah, he Kurt had, Russell. Yeah, did the voiceover. Yeah. In that last portion. That last bit. Yep. But anyway, so um, this is his ninth, and uh, I mean, we're both big Tarantino heads. Yeah. And you, you've just been thinking about. All of his movies in general, mm-hmm. his catalog, yeah, and where 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 they're ranked, how we rank them, how you rank them, how I rank them, how the people rank them, right? How does Tarantino rank them? The people's rank, if you will. I I wonder what he thinks of his movies. I wonder how he would number them. <clears throat> I don't know if he'd be able to. Well, they're all his babies. Yeah, they're all his kids. You I can't mean, pick uh, your favorite kid. Maybe there's one that he's like, yeah, this one kind of sucked. I I don't feel good about this one. Yeah, which one do you think that is? I'd say maybe um, Death Proof. Maybe because, mm. but that doesn't count towards his movies, does it? Yeah, it does. It does. Yeah, it's a huh. full-on movie. I know it's a full-on movie. I just wondered if it was. A, it's a real full movie. <laughs> it's an actual movie. Whole movie. It's a full-on movie. I would say Death Proof just because it uh, didn't really connect with. The audience it was intended to. Mm. I love Death Proof. I do too. A lot of people have seen, uh, you know, in this research, I've obviously seen a lot of lists of best of Tarantino. Mm. And it seems like unanimously people put that at the very bottom uh, along with Hateful Eight. Yeah. Those two seem to be the very bottom of those lists for him. Hold on a moment. Hold on. Hold on. Must be miscounting. All right, let's 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 put them. Okay, let's, let's do them. Chronological order. All right. Okay. Reservoir Dogs. Pulp Fiction. 
Uh-huh. Pulp Fiction. Jackie Brown. Jackie Brown. Um, Kill Bill. Kill Bill Volume 2. Uh-huh. Uh, hate, or hate the late one. I'm saying uh, Inglorious Bastards. Inglorious Bastards. If we're going in chronological order, you just skipped Death Proof. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that was after... Not after Inglorious Bastards. After Kill Bill Volume 2, right? I think it was after Kill Bill Volume 1. Really? They, I, think, that in I think they were in between. But that but Volume 2 is only a few months after Volume 1. Mm. Volume 2 is like six months after, I think. Yeah. Are you sure? I mean, it was the following year, but Kill Bill Volume 1 came out like <clears throat> in summer, I think. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong. Okay, and Glorious Bastards, Django. 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 Hateful Eight. Hateful Eight. And now, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, no, that one doesn't count towards this. No? That's, that's what? Look, listen. I've seen him. Reservoir Dogs, yep. Pulp Fiction, okay. Jackie Brown, Kill Bill, Kill Bill Volume 2, and Glorious Bastards, Django, Hateful Eight, Once I've, Upon a Time. I've, that's nine. I know. Yeah. I skipped oh, without, Death Proof. Okay, okay. Now, I think what the issue here is, is online he's called Kill Bill Volumes 1 and 2, oh, one movie. Oh, one movie, yeah. So I think oh, that's, fuck you. I think that's why it's his <laughs> ninth film, technically. Okay, so are we, if we're going to do this, we're counting Death Proof in here. Yeah, I want to. I, and, we should definitely and, and, and counting Kill Bill Volume One and Two as just one long movie. I think we should split them because I feel like they're very different movies. Oh, you it's, and you and the internet are full of shit. It's more. It's more confusing that way, I guess. So we can lump it together as one movie, but I just feel like they're tonally and uh, influence-wise very different. I don't want to count them as as one movie. Okay. I'd prefer to count them as two. I mean, you know, fuck his fuck his number. Like mm-hmm. this is ten movies that he's done. Okay. Or nine movies. Ten movies. This is ten, ten movies. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and we're and we're gonna count them that way. Okay. All right. That's what we're gonna do. I say it, and it shall be. Okay. So, what do you think is his worst movie? Worst movie? Yeah. Let's figure that one out first. Now, okay. So. <clears throat> In the in this grand scheme of all his films, and to say worst is we're talking about a top ten filmography here, better right. than most filmographies. Yeah, period. So when we say worst, I'm not saying this movie's bad. Yeah, I'm saying he he has nine other movies that are better. Right. But this movie, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> Is better than a lot of other movies. Mm-hmm. It's still a good movie. Right. Because I enjoy all of his movies. Okay. Okay. That's me copping out. Yeah, I can tell. Because I'm probably, probably put, oh, it's between Jackie Brown and Hateful Eight for me. Okay. But I have to decide. You do have and to s- decide. And so I will. I will put Jackie Brown last. Oof, that's a terrible decision. I know. Uh, hateful eight's mine. Let's let's try to let's try to come to a group 
decision that we can agree upon. And now since I highly disagree that Jackie Brown <laughs> is the worst movie he's ever made, do you want to call it Hateful Eight? Because I think we should. <laughs> Wait, what? Why do we have to come to a consensus? <laughs> because I want us to have an official one beer in list approved by both of us of what the best and worst movies are. We're not going to be able to do that. Because we just right That's now what it's disagree. All about. That's what it's all about. <laughs> Let's figure it out. Let's figure it out. There's not why gonna... do you think that Jackie Brown's his worst movie? Explain why. Not that I, I not that I think it's his worst movie. You just said it was. See, you're already misconstruing it. You said <laughs> it's his worst movie. I, it's my least favorite. Ugh, God. <laughs> so full of loopholes and I just, bullshit. I just think, I just, having watched... Hateful Eight. Maybe I need to watch Jackie Brown again. Okay, I haven't okay. seen it in a very long time. Yeah, I remember liking it a lot. I remember liking the cast a lot and mm-hmm. thought it was like really fun. Yeah, but I don't remember it ever. I don't. It, it, it's not. I, I mean, ironically, it's not very memorable. Mm. <laughs> like, I'm, there's nothing that I can think of other than honestly, like. I really like the way that they film the opening sequence, the way yeah, that Pam yeah. Greer's walking through, and it's like I, I like across 110th Street. But other than that, like, there's nothing super memorable about it. There's nothing that sticks out in my head that I like a scene that I draw back to every couple of years. Like, wow, what a good scene mm-hmm. that I have with all all of his other movies. It's kind of surprising to me because it's almost a heist film. Yeah, and I think that'd be right up your alley. Yeah, maybe I need to rewatch it. I think you do. Because, because I, I think that Jackie Brown is one of his most human movies. It's one of his his least maybe it's it's one of his least Tarantino movies. Yeah. Like it is just a good movie. And yeah. I, I will say that like my obsession with heist films started I'd say like th- five years ago. Mm-hmm. And I watched Jackie Brown way before that. Yeah. And so probably at a point where I was like, eh, whatever. Like, I I watched that movie when I had, like, a fleeting understanding of who um, Pam Greer was and the significance of having her in this movie Mm -hmm. and everything that she does in the film and Sam's character. Like, I just, I had a very lax understanding of it. Not only having her in the movie, having her star in that movie. Yeah. uh, It's huge. So maybe, maybe, not maybe, I need to rewatch it. Yeah. I, I love that movie. It's it it was one of my favorites for a very long time of Tarantino's, especially. Um, yeah, no, I I have to give my my least favorite to Hateful Eight. Why is that your least favorite? Because I feel like it. Um, I get what he was going for in the movie, and it's that none of these people are without sin. In fact, they're all full of sin. Uh, and they're all really bad people. Uh, but that leaves me without a moral compass, I guess, to, to, to anchor uh, the, 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 the movie itself. Mm. And I feel like that's a detriment. I respect him for doing that because I think it's a bold move. Yeah. But I, I think as far as storytelling goes, I would have preferred there be <clears throat> someone in there that is like our our passport into this world that we can see ourselves through. Yeah. Cause none of these people in the movie are, are people that we can really relate to or want to relate to really. Yeah. You know, they're all, 
There's no eyes for the audience. Right. So it makes it hard to get into that world. Now, again, we've talked about this before <laughs> off mic, but uh, upon second viewing, I enjoyed it a lot more than the first time. Ow, fuck. That was awesome. <laughs> Bang my fucking knee on the table. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I like it more <clears throat> upon second viewing. I think there's a lot of good writing in it. There's a lot of tension. There's it's beautifully shot. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I just feel like overall it doesn't really. Um, I don't want to call it much ado about nothing, but it doesn't really come to much of a anything at the end of it all. Yeah, what's it all for, really? Yeah. So. Interesting character study, but just doesn't really hit as hard for me as the rest of the Tarantino lot. Uh, I, I I will I I agree and disagree with that. I agree that that is probably what makes it one of his weakest films, but also <clears throat> one of the things that makes it more interesting to me mm-hmm. than Jackie Brown. Okay. Which is something that it, it was. That's something that was really memorable to me. Which was the fact that like, it was a cabin filled with the shittiest people, mm. and you don't get a moral compass. You get a house full of all of the worst people you can find. Yeah, and you just get them offing each other one by one. Mm-hmm. And it was like a really fucked up western. We should say clue. this. This entire part of the episode is going to be full of spoilers. So, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, before we go any further, before we go any further, <laughs> that was an let's, appropriate let's time. just say this. Uh, we're already at almost an hour. Yeah. And so, if you're into uh, Tarantino talk with Marco and Adam, mm-hmm. then stick around because that's what the next 30 minutes is <laughs> yeah, going to we'll, be. We'll see. And also, yeah, we're not going to hold back with any spoilers. Anything that comes to mind, I'm just right. going to say it, and Adam's just going to say it. Yeah. Um, and we're not going to give you any more spoiler warnings. Right, in- including it. Once Upon a Time. Yeah, yeah, Hollywood. yes, yes, that's a good point. So, yes, if you haven't seen Once Upon a Time yet, you either if you don't care about plot points. Please care. Uh, I, this has a really big spoiler at the end of it. So highly recommend you do that. I didn't even put Once Upon a Time in this list. Oh, you have a written out list already? <laughs> Just to keep all the film titles in my head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, spoilers for Once Upon a Time right. are going to be incoming. We, If you guys are looking for an opinion, I think we'd both heartily recommend you watch it. So we're not going to review it, but go watch it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're not going to review it. We're just going to spew... <laughs> things that Spoilers. happen in the movie right. so okay uh yeah so what's next then okay on your list next okay so let's just say so wait do you have jackie brown at nine no you have it higher than that i have it higher than that hmm. well i have jackie brown at nine so eight uh hmm <sighs> <laughs> okay for me then i'll say from my nine or no my okay we're doing you're nine you're nine nine yeah just hateful eight's your 10 right so for my nine uh i would put death proof okay i would put death proof because i feel like it is the pacing's off on it 
And I kind of understand why he did what he did, which is basically have a lot of buildup, graphic horror, a whole lot more buildup, and then a release of this, you know, girls fighting and kicking his ass at the end and the chase scene and all that. Mm -hmm. I understand the, the, the idea of that pacing, but especially that second half of dialogue exposition, building up these characters where nothing really happens. Uh, that part drags a lot. Mm. I think a lot. I think it could have used a bit more editing, <clears throat> make it a little tighter. Yeah. Even if that was the intention was to give you a brief reprieve from all the gore and the action, essentially. Yeah. Make it a little more brief because uh, I feel like half the movie is just talking, which is, I mean, it's Tarantino script. So, you know, I'm not boohooing that too much, but it just drags a bit yeah. for me. I still think it's great. It's fun. It's, you know, shocking. Um, especially in conjunction with the entire Grindhouse experience. Yeah. Um, Definitely fits more in that universe than it does as a film by itself. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, I make that my ninth. Mm. So your eighth. We're on now. Um, my eighth, I think that I would probably, hmm, I'm going to do it. Do it. I'm going to do it. I think I'm going to put Kill Bill Volume 2. Okay. the eighth spot. Okay. Uh, because... I, I would I think spoiler alert Kill Bill Volume One might be in my top five. Okay. I love the first one. Yeah. So so much. The second one is still an incredible film, and if like we were saying earlier, you take them as one whole film, mm-hmm. it makes a lot more sense. You get you get um, a lot of climactic action in what would be the middle of the film, which right. is the end of volume one would be the middle of the film. Yeah. And then you get a lot of resolution in the um, back half of, you know, the five hour experience. Right. And it makes more sense. But as a film by itself, it seems like two hours of resolution almost, even mm. though you still get some action. Yeah. It's, falling action Mm -hmm. the climax has already happened in the in volume one Mm -hmm. you just get a lot of falling action in the second one and um it just kind of uh there's that whole middle section where we're getting the story of how she came to the trailer and how she gets buried alive and it just seems like a lot of stop and go because it just doesn't really feel to me like like to me immediately when she gets shot in the chest you're like well she's gonna get out of this right right this all just doesn't seem consequential just mm-hmm. kind of seems like a thing to pad here's out a, the here's a roadblock yeah it's like it's, it's like an anime storyline like you know they're gonna right we're not gonna get to the second film and she's gonna die here and not meet bill right the movie's called kill bill right she she's has to kill, kill bill. bill yeah and the whole thing is like to me uh you're watch you're just watching this indestructible force mm-hmm. get to her climax which is killing Bill. Right. And so the things that kind of get in her way, to me, should be more interesting. Like mm-hmm. in the first one, when she fights Oren, 
yeah. beautiful samurai oh, yeah. fight. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when she fights the crazy 88. Mm-hmm. Like all of those things are things where in the back of your mind, you're like, well, you know she's going to win. Mm-hmm. But it's also fucking dope to watch, yeah. period, on right. its own. And that's and and in the second one, there's a lot of stuff that just kind of seems like it's not as good mm-hmm. roadblocks in her way. So then you start to think, well, this doesn't really matter because that's not going to stop her from getting to Bill, right? Yeah. And so you know, it just kind of kind of drags a little bit. Even though I really still like it a lot, it just kind of drags a little bit. Uh, yeah. You know what? We agree on that. That's also my number eight. Uh, and for most, mostly the same reasons, I just feel like it switches genres a little bit uh, and becomes almost a uh, neo-Western. Yeah. It's very dusty for a while. Uh, there's the entire thing with her in South America with the prostitutes and all yeah, that. Yeah. I just found all that really like, uh, like a strange diversion when we had such a like fast pace, like she is shredding through stuff mm-hmm. in the first one, yeah, uh, and like overcoming so much, and this one seemed like it was more focused on, um, almost like torture, you know, and like agony and slow. It was very, it slowed the pacing a lot, yeah, and that that was a little bit of a bummer for me. Uh, of course, it is a conclusion to a story that I love so much. Also, you you get a lot of revelations that just don't really hit that hard. Mm. Like we find out her name and like, like her full mission. Right. And her relationship with Bill Mm -hmm. and all of that stuff. And it just kind of falls, not falls flat, but it's not as like dope as Tarantino, I think, thought it was gonna be like mm-hmm. in the first one when they when they bleep out her name and yeah, stuff yeah and you're like i wonder why they're doing that well it's it's funny because without the context of knowing the the influences you wouldn't get that yeah because the reason they would bleep it out is because in editing they realized they fucked up mm. and they wanted to make that a mystery yeah and you know they realized in the dialogue oh they have that in there so we're just gonna bleep it out yeah that one scene and then keep it moving yeah so that's why they did it like that. That was, that was like a, a callback to like well, shoddy editing, essentially. But, but that idea is more interesting to me as a film technique mm-hmm. than the actual revelation of her name. Right. And and at one point, somebody calls her kiddo, and they don't blank that out. And and I get that that's part of it, too, is like yeah. you get in the second film, it's like, oh, that's that's not someone calling her kiddo. Mm-hmm. Like, that's her actual name, right. which I thought was fun, but like... You know, I liked. I could have gone the whole thing with just calling her the bride. Yeah, I thought that would have been just cool. Or mm-hmm. Black Mamba. Mm-hmm. You know, didn't need her full name. But right. that's that's just a little nitpicky. Yeah, yeah. But I still I still loved it. Yes. yes so yes. anyway, moving on. Number seven on your list. Number seven. I get. I have to put Death Proof there because it's not going to kick out any of the rest of these movies. Mm-hmm. So I'd put Death Proof as my seven. It's because uh, I. <clears throat> I understand I understand what you're saying about the movie. Um but that's I liked I I I disagree. I didn't think it was bad pacing. I thought it was I thought it was interesting. I thought it was more um I thought it was different than the other movies that I had seen mm-hmm. at, at at the time. It was just like 
it was strange. It, I'm not gonna say it was like good, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think it. I don't think it took away from the movie. I uh-huh. think it made it like, it almost made it like weird. Mm-hmm. Like, like what the fuck is going on in this movie? Yeah, you know, like when, cause uh, uh, when 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 we first find out about um, Kurt Russell's whole thing. As as the stunt driver, but mm-hmm. he's actual homicidal maniac and all that stuff. Right. That whole beginning of the movie, you're right. It's like it's a different movie. You're yeah. Like, it's just dialogue, and you're getting to know these people. But I liked, uh, like, I liked that scene a lot. Yeah. Just kind of getting to know. I wish, I wish they had just focused on them mm-hmm. for the whole movie. If instead of cutting to the new group, they pulled uh, Psycho. And they're like, these are your characters. This is who you're going to deal with for the rest of the movie. Yeah. Just kidding. They're all dead. Right. right. Uh, which is interesting. That's uh, that is definitely an interesting and, you know, shocking. I definitely appreciated that, too. But yeah. uh, I think it was the fact that we spent so much time. Like, I would have, like you're saying, basically, I would have appreciated if we, if that was the movie. Mm. That entire section is like, we get to know these characters and they get killed or something. And then we find out, like almost in like a uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre way of like, well, he killed six women that yeah. night and, you know, just kind of having that linger on it or something yeah. or, 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 you know, <clears throat> just get to the point faster. Yeah. It, it just, it, it was in, in overly indulgent for me Yeah, for Tarantino dialogue, which is not a bad thing, but just seemed to drag for me. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I'm taking your time. Go mm-hmm. ahead. No, nah, um, <clears throat> And you know you get that, and then like you get the the classic uh, car movies, mm-hmm. you know, and 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 that was fun. Yeah, Kurt, Kurt Russell just chewing it up, mm-hmm. always great. Um, and and then you get the girl power ending yes. that you don't really see coming. It was so good. Yeah, it's that, fantastic. The, the instant levity. Yeah. The instant love it. Super funny Ugh. and awesome, and they beat the ever living shit out of him and murder him. Yeah, like they beat they beat him to death. Yep, the, that axe kick <laughs> is ingrained in my mind. I love it so much. And, and then it's just over. The end. And I'm like, I was just like, this is awesome. Yeah, everything about Grindhouse mm-hmm. is so awesome for, to me. For everyone who missed it in theaters, yeah, the, the, I'm sorry for yeah, you. Yeah, it was one of the best movie going experiences I've ever had. Yep. Agreed. It was Incredible. so much fun. Incredible. So much fun. Like it, it just kept throwing things at you that yeah. you didn't know where it was going. Like the fake trailers mm-hmm. and you're like, wait, is this a movie that's going to be a part of it? And then it just ends up being a trailer. And then like some of them are just bat shit. Hilarious. I still want to see Thanksgiving get made. Yeah. Yeah. Don't. That, don't. Yeah. Don't. I mean, come on, man. I laughed about don't for months. Mm-hmm. People would say, so I would just go, don't, 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 don't. open the door. Don't, don't. It's just so <laughs> fucking good. Yep. Loved it. Loved it. Incredible. Uh, yeah. Just what a, just what an experience. And it would just be sitting there for like five hours. Yeah. You know, it was like a party. Yeah. It was like, awesome. So yeah. If you miss it in theaters, you missed it's like it's like the same shit 
that you get when when people are like, oh, you didn't watch Avatar in theaters mm-hmm. with 3D glasses on? Oh, it was an event. Right. It makes the movie so much better. Mm-hmm. That's why it deserves to be number one. It's one of the best movies ever made. It's like that, but it's better Act- than that it's because actually, it's not lying. It was actually an event. Yeah. 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 Okay. <clears throat> Let's see, buddy old pal. You got to give me your seven. My seven uh, would be... Let's see. I'm trying to think of what I have left here. I can tell you what you have. Left. I tell me what I have left. The Reservoir Dogs. Uh huh. Jackie Brown. Right. Kill Bill. Yep. Inglorious Bastards. Django. Uh-huh. Once Upon a Time. Okay. Pulp Fiction. Gotcha. Okay. Um, I would put. I'd put Jackie Brown here. Yeah. Okay. I'd put Jackie Brown here. Um, for the same reason you said, it, it's not full of super memorable scenes other than that opening. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like it is one of his most complete movies. It, it just, it, it's just a movie ass movie and I don't really know what that means, but I feel like it's right. <laughs> um, I kind of feel like I want to switch my 10 and nine, but I feel like I need to watch it again to uh-huh. be sure. Okay. I can't, I can't take it out of the 10th spot right now. Not yet. Okay. I have That's to watch fine. Movie again. I, um, I feel like it's, it feel it it makes California feel like the same place it did in Pulp Fiction, mm. which is like very hazy and like seedy and kind yeah. of gross. Yeah. Uh, it 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 feels like it feels like L.A. from a locals' perspective. Yeah. Who isn't like on the strip, and like. You know, it's just like in an apartment building LA somewhere. LA seventies, but this, no, this was set in the nineties. No, I'm saying like the just the feel of it. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of grimy. That usually is what he evokes. It's his aesthetic, yeah. right? But like it, it, I, I think of that movie in like a, a sepia tone. You know, mm-hmm. like it, that's just how I feel about it. Okay. Um, and I, you know, I love Pam Greer's role in this. Um. I forget the name of her co-star, uh, the older white guy. Uh, he played Cherry. Uh, <sighs> he was an older I can, actor. I can see him in my head. Yeah, they uh, they they brought him back for this this movie too because he wasn't really doing much at the time. Um, mm-hmm. So, with those performances, Samuel Jackson's great in it too. You get a a, a run from De Niro. Yeah, uh, Robert Forster. Robert Forster, Rice, Rice, Rice. I said Rice. Robert Rice. Forster, Rice. Right is what I meant. Um, yeah, just I, I really I have a soft spot in my heart for that movie because I saw it right after I saw. Well, I did I did some research. I I, I went into my Tarantino fandom the right way, in my opinion. Yeah, saw Reservoir Dogs, then the Pulp Fiction. And then Jackie Brown. And with those, I was like, oh, I get what you're doing here. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, sorry. I was looking at the cast. Mm-hmm. But yeah. <clears throat> so you saw, wait, you saw, which one did you see first? I, uh, okay. So here's, here's the deal. Here's the deal, man. I had always heard about Tarantino mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, grew up in the 90s. Yeah. And uh, I was never allowed to watch his movies, obviously. 
but I heard tons about Pulp Fiction. Yeah. But being a film nerd, I also heard about Reservoir Dogs. Yeah. So I, in preparation for Kill Bill Volume 1 coming out, decided to do some research into who this Tarantino fellow was. Yeah. So I went to the local movie store, mm-hmm. which existed at the time, uh, and I picked up Reservoir Dogs. All right. And I picked up Pulp Fiction. All right. And then after those two, I picked up Jackie Brown. All right. And... Uh, once I had those under my belt, I felt like I knew what kind of filmmaker he was. Uh, uh, I will get to my story about Kill Bill Volume 1 in the theaters when I get there. Okay. But yeah, so I love Jackie Brown. I, I think it's a great movie. It's probably, again, the least Tarantino movie of his lot. Um, the least with his like thumbprint on it. But it, it, it's, it feels like a dirty, grimy, noir-ish film. Yeah. So I like it. <clears throat> All right, we're both on six. Mm-hmm. Yep, 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 six. I guess I'll start. I think this is a toss-up between Kill Bill and Django. Okay. For my number six. I'm trying to, trying to pick one because... Um, I'm going to just put Kill Bill at six. Yeah, I'm going to put Kill Bill at six. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to put Kill Bill at six. Uh, I love I love Kill Bill. Mm-hmm. Love it. It's one of my favorite movies. And um, <clears throat> it's it, it just it just works on every fucking level, man. It yeah. just it just from the way that they that the, the way that he uh, uh, structures the film harkens back to like you know his classic like out of out of order nonlinear style mm-hmm. um, the 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 set designs the fight choreography the fucking black and yellow jumpsuit the Bruce Lee jumpsuit yeah the fuck I mean Uma Thurman just just ripping shit up. I mean, every female in the every every person in the cast. Well, the fact that it's like basically an all female cast yeah. that nobody really talks about, which is interesting because when you do something natural and it doesn't seem forced, nobody even really thinks about it. Right? You know, it's not as if historically people are like, and this all female cast mm-hmm. with a female heroine who's going who's basically sole mission is to kill the one man in her life. <laughs> um, nobody makes a big hullabaloo about that. Right? right. Right. I'm not trying to make a political statement here. I'm just trying to say like, you know, if a thing is done right and it's good, you're always going to get people who are going to say some shit, but for the most part, people will just appreciate it is what it is. Yeah. Like, Fuck it, I'm not gonna go down that road. Okay. Anyway, okay, please don't. <laughs> uh, yeah, it just it just works on so many levels. Love the film. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess the only reason that it's not higher is because we're talking about top five Tarantino here, yeah. and the movies that we're gonna name in this top five are transcendent films. This is uh, this is where the list gets truly brutal. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're at number six, right? Yep, we are at number six. Man, I'm starting to sweat. <laughs> um, for my number six, uh, 
think I'm going to have to go Django. All right. I think I'll have to go Django. And I say that with the utmost respect. I actually just saw this movie again for the umpteenth time Django. this past weekend. And it's as enjoyable as the first time I saw it. Mm-hmm. Um, beautifully shot. Uh, I love the performances. I will say, and, you know, I might get some hate mail for this one. I'm going to mail you something. I think there's one performance that I that sticks out to me that messes up some of the movie for me. And it's something I've been thinking about a lot. And it may just be a me thing. Uh oh. So I think Jamie Foxx sucks. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. Um, I I'm not a huge fan of Kerry Washington's performance in this movie. Mm, interesting. She doesn't have many speaking lines. Yeah. However, all of her performance, all it is, the vast majority is just like on a scale of 1 to 11, like 11 level wailing. Yeah, just I was just about to say all she does is shriek in that's, the movie. That's it. I understand like a lot of it's warranted in in the situations that she's put in these awful situations, but it's just it it comes off as almost theatrical, which yeah. I didn't like. And in a movie that's full of a lot of serious topics and a lot of, you know, heavy energy, she's She's carrying a large load of this emotional weight of this movie. Mm. She is the she is the goal here. Django's having to do terrible things and go through terrible experiences just to get back to her. Yeah. He's sacrificing a lot to do this. And in I I just I found especially after rewatching because I'd felt that way before, but I thought maybe I'm just over analyzing. Mm. But after rewatching, no, I, I I stand with that. I think that her performance is a bit over the top for you know what what she could have made out of that um so yeah i i I, that's one small nitpick in an otherwise fantastic movie that i find surprisingly fun for a movie about slaves (laughs) (laughs) that should be the tagline (laughs) yeah yeah surprisingly fun for a movie about slaves yeah so yeah that's my six okay Excuse me. All right, ladies and germs, if you stuck around, here we are. Top five. Top five time. Top five Tarantino films as ranked by the One Bear In podcast. Go ahead with your Oh, <laughs> we've been doing you first. Um, okay, my fifth would be... It's hard because I don't want to. I don't want to have recency bias here with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood because mm-hmm. I love that movie. That was great. Um, I think I'm going to put it there. I'm going to put Once Upon a Time there. Yeah, I loved it. I uh, I thought the revisionist history thing was really smartly done. Uh, this was the first time in in a very long time that I remember having a physical reaction to a movie mm. when Brad Pitt starts being the shit out of them at the yeah. very end. Like I came very close to standing up and clapping. <laughs> um, but I, I understand like if you're not as well versed in the history of the Manson murders, it won't impact you as well. And yeah. you may be confused. 
Um, Because I've actually been seeing other reviews that say that, like, you know, if you're not as well versed, you may be left out and not really get why this violence is warranted towards these people. Yeah. Um, So maybe do a little bit of research before you get into the movie. It it felt a little uncomfortable in the theater. Mm -hmm. Like, you could tell some people weren't into it. Yeah. I mean, it just, it takes the hardest left. Oh, my God. It just... It gets cranked to 11 in a movie that's hovering around a 7. Mm. Well, there's not much violence in it outside of that. No. Really. I mean, there's a couple of scenes. I mean, he he, he beats the shit out of the guy who uh, slashes tire. Yeah. There's the fight scene with Bruce Lee. Right. Um, but most of that's but like mostly, PG-13. Yeah. It's not, that's what I'm saying. It's yeah. hovering around a 7. Right. Um, and, and suddenly just, graphic violence. You're like, whoa. Right, right, right. But, you know, knowing knowing the history... And knowing what it did to an entire generation and to Hollywood, uh, as a film nerd, that like that was a comeuppance and a happy ending to a story that ended uh, more unjustly, mm-hmm. you could say, in real life. So, in a, in a twisted, weird way, that is the happily ever after uh, to this movie. Yeah, and, and you know, um, Leo's character getting that call up to the mansion. Yeah, at the very end. satisfying. Right, so it's just like yay, all's yeah. well that ends well. And so I mean, it's just, just extremely well made. Mm. Uh, great dialogue, great characters, great performances. Uh, I can go on and on. I I am really holding myself back from giving this an even higher rating. Yeah, uh, just because I don't want to do that because I've seen it too too recently. Mm. Uh so I may revise this over time, but it was awesome. One of the best movies I've seen in a long time. I, I would say that this this is definitely a rotating list. Yeah. Because we need to give Once Upon a Time a little bit of time. More time, yeah. And again, I need to watch Jackie Brown again. So right. this is a, 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 a... Tentative list. Yeah. Tentative Tarantino list. The tentative Tarantino tentative list. Tentative top 10 Tarantino list. I'm... That's definitely the title of this episode. Okay, bam. The tent, the tentative top ten Tarantino list. Nailed it. Um, with that being said, I'm gonna also put it at my number five. Nice. Uh, that's this is one where we can 100% unanimously agree. Took every word out of my mouth. Mm-hmm. The only thing that I would add is, um, that uh, Brad Pitt and and DiCaprio's performances are just they're they're quietly so good yeah just so good Mm -hmm. and it may come across like they're almost not doing much Mm -hmm. but it's just like this bubbling beneath the surface it's because they embody those characters so well yeah it it doesn't look like acting it looks like they're just people you you see them as those people but like um like that like what we talked about last night um with the with the fact that like they 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 leave uh, the murder ambiguous. You don't know if he actually kills his wife or not. Right? right. And then from that point forward, it informs the audience of, um, if you believe him or if you believe his innocence or not, mm-hmm. what kind of person he actually is. And so his yeah. actions from that point forward inform how you feel about him as a person. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I thought that that's a brilliant analysis. And if it's something that Tarantino was actually going for, mm-hmm. I, it, what, a, what an amazing, film thing to do right. to people yeah well you know it was absolutely a choice for him not to show the murder for sure 
So it leaves it ambiguous on purpose. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't see any any way that he didn't think that. Yeah. You know? Well, and then, and then so let's, let's just go on the theory that that was his implication. If that's something that he informed, say, Brad Pitt of, that your character is somebody who uh, we don't know his real intentions. Mm-hmm. We don't know if he's actually a psychopath or if he's just been wrongly accused and he's just like, you know, now he has to deal with the fact that he's got this red mark on him now. Right. This black cloud following mm-hmm. him at every job. If that's something that Brad Pitt y- uses to inform how he performs, it's just brilliant, man. Yeah. Because you can see it. You can mm-hmm. see the way that he looks, the way that he carries himself, his actions in the movie. Everything is hyper violent. Mm-hmm. But all at once, it's like this burst it's like it's like a door opening that's been locked but it's been fucking jangling he's like trying to get it open Mm -hmm. so it's bubbling at the surface yeah and anytime somebody pushes him to that point Mm -hmm. gives him an excuse he opens up the door and he lets loose with just gratuitous violence (laughs) yeah and and it's just amazing something that i uh i didn't even think about that i was watching the red letter media review of it Uh uh-huh and uh one of the guys brings up an interesting point uh if if you think, because we're thinking about it with the with the historical context of the Manson murders, mm. right? So we know what happened, we know the history of it, but in this reality, those people just broke into a home and threatened people. They didn't murder anybody yet, and he just unleashes right hell on them. Hell, yeah, Un- like oh no holds God, barred. Like, yeah. He gives them what they deserved in the context of history. Right. But in this world, I mean, they <laughs> didn't do anything yet, right. really. I mean, they, they came in and threatened people with weapons and stuff. Yeah, that's bad. And they, they probably were going to murder them. But yeah. they technically didn't do anything yet. Yeah. So that's, that's another interesting thing. Because if we're, if we're looking at this from a historical standpoint, then we have that informs our opinion of those mm. people. Right. But like you said, I mean, if you look at it from an in-film story mm-hmm. standpoint, yeah, they <laughs> didn't yeah. do it. Well, and, and on top of that, like he, Tarantino takes everything, all the power away from them mm-hmm. by making them idiots. Yeah. And just these like bumbling hippie fucking high idiots. Yeah. And it just makes it so much more satisfying when they get their comeuppance. Yeah. In this fantasy, and I, I you know, um, I think, I think taking it that next level, kind of takes away from I think what he was trying to do, which was like this revenge porn kind mm-hmm. of thing, of like we know who these characters are, yeah, we know what they actually did, yeah, this is what they deserve, this yeah. is how they deserve to be portrayed. It's right. like whenever it's like uh, when uh, Taika Waititi is gonna portray um, Hitler, Hitler, yeah. And they asked him if he did any research, and he was like, no, just fuck him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actual response, yeah. Yeah, so it, it's, uh, it's, it's in the same vein of mm-hmm. like, we know what he actually did, who he actually was. Right. This is how he deserves to be portrayed. Or, or even like an even more sillier thing in, in the uh, film masterpiece, Little Nicky. <laughs> when uh, Hitler is in hell, mm-hmm. and he, he gets a pineapple shoved up his ass. Every day. He has an appointment mm-hmm. where Lucifer shoves a pineapple up his ass every day. Okay. Um, that's ridiculous and fucking stupid. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, he's one of the 
he's probably the only target that is universally used to just, and we can just go fuck him, right? And do whatever we want with his betrayal. Yeah, and uh, it's 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 something like that. Like in the context of a movie, he could be portrayed any way, and we we could watch a movie right before mm-hmm. World War One. Yeah, when we know that he's becoming this person. Yeah. Um, and he gets brutally murdered then, mm-hmm. and we're like, well, he was going to become right. this guy, so fuck him. But we know that now. But we know that now, The people right. in that world don't know don't, that yet. Exactly. Right. If they killed the painter, <laughs> right. uh, it may be a little different. Right. But so, uh, but it's just it's just a fun way of looking at history. Yeah. Um, all right, so we agree, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, mm-hmm. it has made its way into the Tarantino Top 5 upon instant release. Mm-hmm. One of the best movies he's ever made. Yeah. And de- hands down, one of the best movies of the year. And one of the best movies I've ever seen. Yeah. Number four. Um, if you guys are keeping count, I haven't said Django yet. And that's because Django's my number four. Okay. I love Django so much. Love it. Love it. Love it. And... um. Kerry Washington's performance, just to kind of reference what kind of drags it down for you, not something that I, I agree with you. Her performance is not all. It's not all that. Um, it it definitely gets forgotten when you're just watching mm-hmm. absolute destroyers. Yeah, everyone else just fucking lays waste. Mm-hmm. Christoph Waltz. Amazing, mm-hmm. Oscar worthy, Oscar winning. Leo deserved an Oscar. Yeah, Jamie Foxx as the anchor of the film, as the as as we were talking about the eyes of the audience, mm-hmm. as the moral compass. Right, amazing. Right, Sam Jackson, one of his oh, fantastic. Best yeah, I mean, everyone else is just absolutely just stomping a mud Don hole Johnson. and walking it. Dr- Don Johnson comes <laughs> in, crushes it. Yep. Uh, I mean, yeah. Everybody, mm-hmm. everyone in the film. So Carrie Washington's performance, the fact that she's so pivotal mm-hmm. to the story, yep, and the fact that she is not as, I mean, you just don't get much from her as a character. As I mean, it's probably Tarantino's fault. I mean, she could have been written more as a heroine mm-hmm. as opposed to a damsel in distress. But I think his intent was to make it a classic Western. Damsel in Distress, yeah, yeah, yeah. Revenge, uh, Rescue mm-hmm. kind of m- m- movie. And yeah. so to the detriment of her character, that's the way she's written. And it may take away from the film, but I think that the other performances more than make up mm-hmm. for that her being so forgettable yeah. in the movie. So number four. Okay. My number four, and this is very hard. Uh, it's going to be Reservoir Dogs for me. Wow, Reservoir Adam. Dogs. Wow, Adam. Are you even a Tarantino fan, Adam? Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh, wow. Uh, Reservoir Dogs, like I was saying before, is uh, one of the, if not the very first Tarantino movie I have ever seen. Um, it's his first movie. Uh, and I love it. I love it. It is a very small film, though. Purposefully so, because, you know, they only had basically one location to shoot in, and it's a uh, it's a heist film where you don't see the heist, which is just brilliant. Yeah, just it's like 
genius cinema. Uh, I I love it. I love the performances. Uh, I can't really say much bad about it, other than because of its limitations. It I, I feel like Tarantino was able to expand more on his flavor and his his vision in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, and give us more of what he showed a promise for in Reservoir Dogs. Uh, I think it it's an extremely tight movie, which is the benefit of it being so small. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I mean, that's basically... I, I can't really say much bad about it. It's just... It's fantastic. It's... The only reason I, I wouldn't put it in my top three is because it is a a smaller look at a much bigger vision in the future mm. that he has waiting for us. So that's what I have to say about that. All right. I can dig that. Um, that was your number four. I gave my number four. So number three. Uh, what, do, what do you have left and what do I have left? You have left Pulp Fiction and Glorious Bastards. And Kill Bill. And I have left Pulp Fiction and Glorious Bastards and Reservoir Dogs. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to put Reservoir Dogs as my third favorite and third best Tarantino film. Um, for all the reasons that you have it at number four. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just It's just, I mean, for a guy making his first official movie for it to be that goddamn good mm-hmm. and for like you said i mean he worked with his limitations yep and we've talked about this before uh with limitations being the thing that can breed creativity right and i think that that this is one of the best examples that you can use in any medium to say this is what a person can do with a tight budget mm-hmm. Uh, and and very little uh, uh, um, scenery, hmm. and th- I mean, there's almost no costume design. <laughs> it suits. It suits, and then there's two flashback scenes. Mm-hmm. There's you get Tim Roth getting into character, right? And then you get the setup of the heist. Yep, that's it. Then it's all just suits. Mm-hmm. But this is, um, I mean, this is one of the best examples of the the much talked about the legendary Tarantino dialogue you get the opening scene which is just amazing when they're Madonna. in the diner and they're talking about Madonna and Buscemi's talking about why he doesn't tip and they're like mm-hmm. you're gonna tip you cheap bastard right. like it's just it's so good so normal and yet so so relatable but still so interesting mm. it's uh it, it comes off natural but it's elevated in a way yeah it's not how people necessarily really talk but it feels like it is. It's almost like a podcast? A little bit. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, and, and basically take everything Adam just said and just copy-paste that into the next half of my review because I agree. Thank you. I'm much smarter than you. Yeah. Um, okay, my third would be Inglorious Bastards. Makes sense. I love Inglorious <laughs> Bastards. Uh, it's almost a movie made of movies. Uh, because there are so many time jumps and like scene jumps. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a detriment to me it, because all those movies are so well done. Um, 
this was the first of his sort of historical take uh, and and uh, altering of history, and it was it was something that I, I remember as I was watching. I'm like, how's Hitler going to get out of this? And then they <laughs> shoot him in the face multiple times, and I was mm-hmm. like, okay, well, I guess that's not a question anymore. Um, I mean, basically what we've said about the other movies leading up to this, just fantastic performances. Tarantino seems to be able to pull it out of actors well, and his scripts seem to be made to be acted on screen. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Christoph Waltz, what, what can you say what that hasn't already been said? Star turning performance. Incredible. Incredible. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just top to bottom entertaining sometimes really dark uh the the one nitpick i'll give it is i feel like the um the setup for the theater massacre uh where i forget her name in the film but the blonde who sets it all up the actress um no the projectionist actually the oh, owner uh, of the theater shoshana shoshana yeah. right uh, when she's getting ready for it and they play David Bowie or something during it, <laughs> cat people. Yeah. That threw me off a little weird. bit. Yeah. And I was like, eh, this isn't, this isn't, doesn't feel right in the rest of the, the, amongst the rest of the film, but very small quibble. Doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter at all. Um, yeah. That's why it's my third. All right. My, th- we said our third. So here we are. Top, Top two. two. And obviously, we both have Pulp Fiction in the top two. Yes. The only difference now is I have Inglorious Bastards in my top two. You, surprisingly, have Kill Bill in your top two. Uh-huh. So, second best Tarantino movie. What is it? Pulp Fiction? I'm just kidding. It's Kill Bill. <laughs> <laughs> it's Kill Bill. It's Kill Bill. And why is it Kill Bill? It's because I left that movie breathing hard i left that movie afraid of her blade it it made me scared of 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 that weapon and that's the first time that's ever happened in a movie yeah where i'm like i anything that thing comes in contact with i'm afraid of it completely destroying and it was you know it was kind of my first true exposure to Tarantino in in the way it his movie should be experienced which is in a, a big pack theater yeah. I saw the opening night um, and I, I left shaking I literally left the theater shaking and I can't think of another movie that affected me as much as that one did when I saw it mm. so this may not be necessarily you know my list of his best quote unquote films but it's my top Films of that affected me personally. Right. So in 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 that sort of space, in that in that thought, uh, I mean, this would have to be in my number two for sure. Um, the action scenes are incredible. Uh, the soundtrack is incredible. Yeah. The acting is stilted, but in a way that it should be, based on the genre. And I feel like this was him replicating a genre that he loved. Uh, and paying homage uh, in a really interesting way and kind of making what was old new again. Yeah. And um, 
I don't know. It's, it's strange. It, it, it's a little like magic. Like he resuscitated this 1970s Japanese samurai movie genre yeah. from the dead that nobody really respected anymore. And um, I don't know. I just I, I love all the aesthetics of it. it it's just it, it's something that's like uh, encrusted in my mind. Just that the experience I had in that theater and mm. the movie itself. I, I just love it. Yeah. I love it. Number two. <clears throat> you know, it's funny. Uh, you having that so high and me having it so low. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, I, I spent I spent so much of my life just, I mean, just watching martial arts movies mm-hmm. and nothing else. Just being obsessed with them. I mm-hmm. loved every, like every martial art movie, even like bad ones. Yeah. There was still something to take from them. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know. I just find it just interesting that you have it so high and I have it so low, and yet, like, there, I mean, martial. I, I, if I had to pick a genre of film, that's my favorite. Mm-hmm. Miss martial arts movies. Yeah. Oh, all, I mean, all I, time. I grew up watching martial arts films, but I never grew up watching the samurai movies. Yeah. I grew up watching the Hong Kong ones. That's right. the ones that we always saw. Yeah. Jackie Chan, Jet Li, uh, Bruce Lee, obviously. Um, basically, all the classics and yeah. and all that but i was never really exposed to the the japanese samurai ones because those were always a little too gruff yeah. you know a little yeah. too bloody too many boobs oh but i loved it <laughs> so much i mean there's there's so many like classics that i haven't seen that i've realized that i haven't seen now that we've we're going to film oh, school oh yeah exactly um but there's so many that i that i have like there's so many scenes that i have burned into my head maybe it's why i'm such a psychopath but <laughs> like that kind of stuff like the <laughs> like the 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 thick paint mm-hmm. blood that yeah. like squirts out of people when they die and yeah. stuff like that it, it's been in my head since i was like five years old yeah, yeah of just watching movies like that just catching them like you know my like i i've said before on this podcast my parents for some strange reason cared about the music that we listened to but had no qualms with the movies that we watched. <laughs> I've seen such dark shit. Seen some shit. When I was like four and five years old, which kind of brings me to the last two films on this. Mm-hmm. So my number two is going to be Inglorious Bastards. Yeah. I mean, I, we just, we, we knew it was going to be. We knew one. where we were going to end up here. But yeah. Inglorious Bastards, for my money, really, really, really gives the number one movie a run for its money mm-hmm. as Tarantino's best made and most enjoyable movie. Mm-hmm. Um, he takes the um, sort of nonlinear approach to it. Yeah. Um, there's, there's flashbacks, but it's basically a linear movie mm-hmm. and it's set up in scenes. Yeah. The thing. And, and it, and it works and it kind of shows you like the nonlinear thing is fun, but if he just did a straightforward movie, that probably worked. It still works. Yeah, it worked yeah. just as well. Maybe yeah. even better. Yeah. So it wouldn't confuse the audience. Right. I know that I've heard from people that I've talked to and stuff that I've seen online that like his approach to filmmaking is sometimes confusing. It's like people don't people kind of get lost. If you're an idiot. In, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but I mean, from top to bottom, mm-hmm. every performance. Obviously, Christoph Waltz is the standout. I mean, he spoke like five different languages in the movie yeah. fluently. Oh yeah. You get Brad Pitt doing something that you like. Brad Pitt has always done cool roles, mm-hmm. and it's ironic because he's like, you know, he's got the leading man good looks, 
and he's been an A-list star, even though he's done some dog shit movies. Yeah, and just and and he's done weird movies, and that's a lot of people. I think that they, when you look at his filmography, you give him credit for, mm-hmm. but if you just think of Brad Pitt as the actor or as the person, you go, oh yeah, A-list star, right. guy who's leading man material, guy who was married to a leading woman. You know, right. you get the, the, the image of him. Yeah, the cliche. But then yeah. when you look at the movies that he's actually done, you're like, this dude has done some cool fucking movies. Yeah. This guy was like, not, you know, character actor level like Johnny Depp, mm-hmm. in, you know, early, you know, masterpiece uh, era Johnny Depp. Yeah. But I think in the same vein of yeah. like doing movies that you don't expect a dime piece like him to do (laughs) you know when he could just do a movie like the mexican Mm -hmm. or something he could just do those over and over and or any uh mcconaughey movie before his mcconaissance right you could you could just do he could just do any of those movies in bank and instead he wants to do fight clubs and uh not snatch but lock stock smoke and bear no you snatch 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 12 monkeys 12 monkeys and and this movie, mm-hmm. uh, where you know he's playing something that's so out of character and yet really aligned with the kind of roles that he's picked, if you think about it. Yeah. And he does so well in it. Mm-hmm. It's such a cool idea to have a spec ops team filled with Jews plopped into Europe to kill as many Jews as possible. Well, and that's Nazis. Their only, or, Nazis. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. oh God. <laughs> <laughs> Jews and killing Jews. <laughs> Jesus no, Christ. Uh, killing as many Nazis as possible. What an idea. Yeah. You know, to yeah. just have like a, a, a thing that's like the Red Berets to just go in, or the Green Berets. Ooh, the Red <laughs> oh my <Berets>. God. <laughs> the Marios <laughs> and the Luigi's. I'm all over You're the melting place down. Um, the Green Berets. Right. The Jewish equivalent to like the Green Berets to yeah. go in and, and their sole mission. Is to kill as many oh, Nazis as possible. They're essentially a suicide squad. They're yeah. they're in, they don't care about surviving or whatever. It's just going in and killing and as many do, people and just as making as, as much as of a dent as they can out right. there. So conceptually, it's amazing. It's so much fun from top to bottom. I mean, the opening sequence mm-hmm. is so dark, masterful. So it has moments where it's funny, tense sad yeah it does it runs the gamut of every emotion and it's the first 10 minutes of the movie right i mean it's just it's a masterpiece it's a masterpiece incredible so that brings us here the inevitable, <sighs> the inevitable end point. we knew yeah. this is where we were going but let's talk about it anyway okay pulp fiction what can we say that, that hasn't already been said right i guess let's let's do this because i i mean with pulp fiction Instead of like you know historically what it means like what when you first saw it mm-hmm. or how many times have you seen it since or what it does to you personally because mm. I know um, like what I was saying before this was one of the movies that I saw at a very early age yeah when I should not have seen this movie mm-hmm. it is so dark oh yeah so twisted there are scenes of graphic violence a graphic rape scene mm-hmm. um graphic themes it is very much an adult film yeah and even 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 too dark for a lot of adults <laughs> there's yeah. people who don't want to watch it my uh my mom whenever i talk about tarantino to her she goes because uh, her i think she's only seen pulp fiction yeah and this was a long time ago 
and she goes, I don't like his movies. They feel like a nightmare. <laughs> and I said, yeah, you're not wrong. Yeah, I mean, what an apt description of his movies. <laughs> they do feel like a nightmare sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I try to tell my mom, I'm like, whenever a Tarantino movie gets brought up, I'm like, that's my favorite film director. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you like his movies? <laughs> They're so gross. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, they are. As They're she's watching gross. Blade. Yeah, right. Over and over again. Yeah. So I watched it at an early age. Didn't really understand what I was watching, but there was just something so fucking cool about mm-hmm. it that just really resonated with me. The suits. And this was, I, I, I saw Pulp Fiction before I saw Reservoir Dogs. And so, like, I didn't have that idea of, I knew what Reservoir Dogs was, mm-hmm. but I didn't know, I had no concept for this is the same director and the same writer and look yeah. how historic it is that he made blah, blah, blah. I had no concept for that. Mm-hmm. I just saw that image of the guys walking with the suits. Yeah. And that seemed cool, but I didn't make the connection when right. I was a kid because I was dumb. But having seen this movie, it just resonated with me for a really long time. And then when I got older and watched it again and realized just how goddamn good it was, mm-hmm. It just like something just clicked. And anytime that somebody, anytime that I thought about what my favorite movie was, or I thought about what I think the best made movie is, it always popped up in my head. Any, uh, all the movies that I've ever watched, Pulp Fiction always just rose to the top. Mm-hmm. Always top three, top five in Cream any of the of discussions. Yeah, it just, it just, I, and I, I just never understood why until like, you know, you start understanding the way that movies are made mm-hmm. and you start understanding the historical significance of making a movie like this with the actors that he used at the time that he used them, right. the way that it's written, all of these things that just come together and you're like, oh, that's why. That thing that you can't explain, there's a way to explain it. Just understand the historical significance of this thing that you're watching yeah. and you can kind of contextualize why it's so good. Mm-hmm. But before that, it was just a feeling for me that I was like, this movie's just so goddamn good. I hope yeah. I'm not the only one who thinks this. And obviously I'm not. No. So. There, um, there was something I was going to bring up when I, when I was talking about uh, Kill Bill. Uh, so the thing that kind of sold it to me was this overarching feeling of just cool mm-hmm. being a priority in the film. Yeah. Cool. Just a sense of cool. It's not dumb cool. It's just it's it is an aware coolness. Yeah. That uh, a lot of movies after Pulp Fiction tried to do mm-hmm. and got wrong. Um, that's how I feel. That's how I felt about uh, Kill Bill Volume One, and that's how I feel about Pulp Fiction Two. Yeah. Uh, is is that it? it there's just a set it, like it oozes with a sense of cool. Every frame of that movies, it has a sense of cool and style and it's highly stylized and it, 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 it creates its own world that doesn't really exist. Um, it's, it's like, um, it's like the mosquito trapped in amber, mm. you know, like it, it just, it, it seals a place in time that isn't real. Yeah. Uh, and like it, that feels like its own world. I mean, maybe LA was like that, back then but it it just it feels like its own place yeah like you can explore that world somehow <clears throat> outside of the realms of that movie right but well and what you're I, only seeing it from one purview and that's it and well and and that maybe i think that's probably tarantino's strength other than the dialogue and and the writing of it is mm. the world building yeah plunging us into these places all of these movies 
all of his movies. Mm-hmm. You, he puts us in this place that is more often than not so fully realized that you're never left wondering about everything else going on. Like, right. how can these characters exist in a world? And it's like, well, he created this whole mm-hmm. thing, this whole ecosystem, and yeah. that's how they can exist because they exist in this bonkers, batshit world mm-hmm. that he's created. It, it, it's strange because it's it's both highly stylized but also feels real, mm-hmm. which is very... Like, they feel like they should be diametrically opposed ideas, but he finds a way to meld that together in a weird way. Yeah. Where uh, maybe that's what my mom found nightmarish about it. Is that like, (laughs) it's, it seems like a real place and like real people, but there's just something uh, twisted about it that makes it stylized in a way that you could only really accomplish in cinema. You know, if you were to go outside and film something, it wouldn't look like Pulp Fiction. Mm. You know, it wouldn't feel like that. If you you have a conversation with people, it doesn't sound like Pulp Fiction. These things are all highly stylized, but you can somehow relate yourself to these characters very easily. Yeah. Um, and it's just, I don't know, it's, it's magic. It's up there with like a Jaws or a Citizen Kane. It's a, it is a, it, it's a crowning achievement <laughs> of film. Yeah. And unfortunately that makes it uh, kind of distant from its origins of just being an enjoyable movie. Right. It suddenly takes on this air of classic. So, it, you know, even people who haven't seen Jaws know the theme song, mm. you know, and have an idea of what the movie's about. Yeah. When you get people who have heard of Pulp Fiction going, right. yeah, I get it. It's classic, whatever. Mm. And it's like, no, dude, you just, just sit down and it's watch it. It's uh, the Travolta dance scene thing. Yeah. And like, no, 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 no. Don't uh, do that. The, the do jewels, that. you know. Uh, just watch it. Uh, the, 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 the what the what scene right the, yeah the guy when he's when sam jackson's like yelling at the guy yeah. yeah that yeah i know i know tasty burger classic i get it right i don't need to watch it it's like but it's just so much fun it's just so much fun to just watch it without any historical significance it's just so much fun yeah such so good yep all right i think we did it <laughs> pretty exhausted that, list. Was, that was hard <laughs> <laughs> see you know we didn't agree as much as I thought we would. Mm-hmm. We only agreed on three movies. Mm-hmm. Once Upon a Time, we put it five. We both have Volume 2 at eight. And we both have, obviously, Pulp Fiction at one. Right. I, I mean, I feel like in between, they were not super far off on many of them. No, no, no. They're 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 pretty close. Yeah. Um, My only for- aberration is the... Uh, Kill Bill Volume 1. Yeah, we have Kill Bill Volume 1, like, really far away. I have it at 6, and you have it at 2. But, yeah, the rest of them are pretty, they're pretty close. They're interchangeable. Yeah. Yeah. (sighs) All right, well, I'm ready for a nap. (laughs) Well, before you go napping, let's get this review out of the way. Okay. Let's tell the people what they can expect from a dogfish head, low-cal, low-carb IPA. It's the slightly mighty 4%. What did you think, sir? More like dog shithead. Oh, suck it, you piece of shit. Uh, I mean, it's it's not awful. It's not great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it just doesn't have much flavor. I knew it wouldn't. 
it it couldn't. It couldn't. It yeah, just. I knew it wouldn't. I knew. I knew it wouldn't. So I'm not really disappointed. It was exactly what I was expecting. <laughs> but even so, uh, I'm not a fan. I wouldn't get this again. I'd rather just get like a Bud Light. Yeah. 2.5. 2.5. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'll give it a three, but it's not far away from a 2.5. Yeah, no. It is. It, yeah, it's, it's just, it's, I mean, you know, maybe they do have to be unhealthy to be tasty, man. <laughs> it's like most things. I, why fight it? Just know what you're getting into. Yeah. Give me a regular beer. It's fine. Well, the whole, the whole, uh, culture or idea of making like a quote healthy beer mm-hmm. is very strange non-alcoholic beer something like a Michelob ultra it's like mm-hmm. 65 calories or something right. like that it's all just very strange when you're like but i'm still just drinking alcohol yeah. i just want to enjoy it this is unless i'm a raging alcoholic this is not something that i do every day right so why is this the one time it's like it's like it's like breaking your diet to have like a single slice of bacon. Yeah. And it's like, well, I mean, if you're going to do it, just do it. Right. Man. If you're going to have the beer, have a tasty beverage. Let me get a plain hamburger w- on a wheat bun. Right. It's like, it's like eating like a morning star burger <laughs> on, on, yeah. on like, yeah. On like eight, eight grain toast mm-hmm. or something. It's like, just get the juicy burger, my man. Who gives a fuck? Yeah. You're, you're, we're here. Okay, let's not half step. Ain't no right. half stepping. Okay, not here at the One Beer and Podcast. And so I apologize for getting it. You should. But we had to know. It's, I had it's true. to know. No, and you know, honestly, I, I, all joking aside, I had seen this beer around before, and I was curious. So we, <clears throat> we tried it. Now we know. We gave it a try. And you guys can try it at your local stores, but with a two point five and a three. I'd say just skip it. Yeah, I'd skip just it. Just skip it. You don't need you don't need to know. Get a Bud Light, you'll be fine. Yeah. And it'll cost you less, yep. honestly, cuz Dogfish Head it's the same shit that I always complain about. These craft beers getting over on people just because they're craft beers. <laughs> right. This is I mean, if you ha- if contextually, if you put if you put this up against something that's 3 or 4 dollars cheaper, mm-hmm. it's the same shit. Yeah, basically. So. You get slightly more hops in this, more hoppy flavor. Barely, I mean, it's a four percent. It's not worth it. So even like a Bud Light, it's like five percent. Yeah. Bud, Bud, like a regular Bud's like five point seven. Mm-hmm. So you're getting more alcohol <laughs> in one of those right. that's supposed to be like a piece of shit, you know, non-flavorful, blah blah. Anything mm-hmm. that you know a hipster wants to throw at a Bud Light or a Budweiser, and it's like it's better than this. Yeah. Better than this shit. <sighs> you ain't wrong. All right. Let's get out of here. We did it, right? Let's get the fuck out of here. (laughs) We've been sitting so long. (laughs) All right, guys. This has been the One Baron Podcast. For myself, Marco Dupa. For Adam Obesius Rodriguez. Like, subscribe, and share. Thank you guys for listening. Drink delicious beer, and have a beautiful evening. We love you. Love you.